Welcome to Answers from Antioch. You have joined us at the intersection of God's Word and today's world. This broadcast is brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. Join us as we examine information that impacts the church, the Christian, and the Christian home. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Josh Davis filling in for Pastor Brad Davis. I want to examine the specific prophecies that Jesus fulfilled when he was born. We're coming close to Christmas, just a few weeks away, and I believe that this is a very wonderful time to be thinking about his first advent, his first coming. And one of the helpful ways to consider that is to look into the Old Testament, beginning in Genesis and all the way through the minor prophets, and seeing specific prophecies that Jesus fulfilled that point to the fact that he alone is God. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 as we explore the first of these prophecies together. And by the way, as we inch closer and closer throughout our Old Testament, we see the prophecies becoming more and more specific. I believe that this is part of what we call the doctrine of progressive revelation. It doesn't mean progressive in the sense of political progressivism. No, not in the least. But what progressive revelation means is that God is continually unfolding his plan for the ages throughout the pages of Scripture. So when you start in Revelation, excuse me, when you start in Genesis, you see that somebody like Abraham or somebody like Noah, or if you even want to back it up further to Adam, they had less revelation than did, say, Moses. And Moses had less revelation than, say, Daniel. And going on into the New Testament, we see that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and he is that complete and final revelation. I love the fact that in the book of Revelation, it says it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I find it interesting that a popular devotional, Jesus Calling, you may have heard of it, you may have read it, Somebody that is very well-intentioned gave it to me as a source of encouragement, but as I opened the pages, I began to read the author's introduction, and she says that she just found herself wanting more revelation, and that sent the spiritual red flags up in my mind as I began to ponder more revelation. We have been given the revelation of God through His Word, Scripture. We can never exhaust Scripture. As I continue to study Scripture, I see how very little of it I know. And although I've been pursuing these truths for years and even decades, I am only scratching the surface of these truths. And so we don't need more or new revelation because we have Jesus Christ. He is the revelation. And I believe contained within the 66 books of Scripture is God's revelation of himself to us, the inspired Scriptures. And so that's going to be our source for truth. That's going to be what we're looking into as we're trying to discover who Jesus is and how he fulfilled these biblical prophecies. 
And that is our source that we are looking at. Now, I apologize for the quality of my voice because I'm battling uh, one of these good, wonderful, blessed sinus things. And Pastor Brad's voice is worse off than my own. So you'll just have to bear with me and uh, just apologize in advance for uh, the quality of the sound of my voice today. But let's look at the first of these prophecies in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Perhaps the very first prophecy given in all of Scripture. And it comes right after the fall. And I love this truth contained in this prophecy. That even when man had sinned, when Adam and Eve had plunged the human race into sin by choosing selfishly instead of godly. They had bought the lie of the devil, hook, line, and sinker, and they had ignored what God had clearly revealed to them. And we see that yet God didn't leave them without hope. God didn't leave them without a way of redemption. You see, the story of these 66 books of the Bible is God unfolding his redemption mission for this world. And in Genesis 3.15 is the very first hint of that come forward to us. God says as he is speaking to Adam and to Eve and to the serpent there in the garden, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, speaking to the serpent, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. In other words, this prophecy is referring to somebody who is coming that will bruise the head of the serpent, and the serpent will bruise his heel. And this is the very first messianic prophecy in the Word of God, that there is coming someone who is the seed of the woman, who is going to conquer this serpent, who is going to put down the wicked works of the serpent. Who is this one going to be? Now, that's that's very broad. As I said, it's progressive revelation. The very first prophecy is also the broadest prophecy. Seed of a woman, a human being. Well, that could be billions upon billions of people. But it gets more specific as the pages of Scripture begin to unfold. As you turn over into Genesis chapter 12, for instance... And you notice that now God is speaking to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. I will curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed out of Haran. We see here in verse 3 that God tells Abram that in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And we see here that the Messiah is promised to come through the ethnic group, through the line of Abraham. Again, that's very broad, still Millions, if not billions of people, because the entire Arab world traces Abraham as their forefather, as their ancestor, as just as does the Jewish 
lineage. Still, billions of people that this could refer to. Okay, let's keep going on in the pages of Scripture. Now to the end of the book of Genesis and into chapter 49. And starting reading here in around verse 10 of Genesis 49. And this in this context, it is Jacob or Israel on his literal deathbed, giving his final instructions and final wishes to his family. And he's gathered his sons around him and he's speaking over them. In Genesis 49, in verse 10, he's speaking to his son Judah. In verse 10, he tells us, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. This, I believe, is a prediction that the Messiah is coming through the tribe of Judah. And so that gets even more specific and yet it still applies to millions of people. And it could apply to so many different people. So far, we've built up that the Messiah is going to be the seed of the woman through the ethnic group of Abraham, through the tribe of Judah. But as the Old Testament scriptures continue to unfold, we continue to see that this gets even more specific. If you fast forward, for instance, into Second Samuel, Chapter 7, we see that David is king, and God is promising him that there is going to be a ruler coming through him who will be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. For instance, Second Samuel chapter 7, start, starting to read around verse 12. And when thy days be fulfilled, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak to David. Now, this is very important to point out. The covenant that we read from Genesis chapter 12 from God to Abraham was the land promise, and it was unconditional. Now, this covenant that God makes with King David is the ruling or the throne covenant, and it too is unconditional. In other words, there wasn't any conditions upon Abram or upon David that they had to behave a certain way or that their descendants had to behave a certain way. No, God promised it to them unconditionally that Israel would receive that land, the promised land, and God outlines the borders of that in his word. And here to David, he promises him unconditionally that there will be a ruler on his throne forever. Now, we read a couple of verses here that are very curious, didn't we? Especially verse 14, if it's speaking of the Messiah and it talks about him committing iniquity, does that mean that Jesus is 
committing iniquity or that Jesus would commit sin? No, that's not what it's saying. It's talking about the entire household of David. And let's read that verse again, verse 14 of 2 Samuel chapter 7. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with a rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But, and that's the key word, but my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. This is God telling David, even if one of your descendants acts like King Saul acted, I will still not remove the throne from your descendants. And in fact, he says it again in verse 16, like he said in verse 13, thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. And as the New Testament opens, we see in Matthew's genealogy and in Luke's genealogy that here comes Jesus and it comes and he comes through the line of King David. Oh, how beautiful the truth that this is. God is keeping his promise that a ruler is going to sit on the throne of David forever and forever and forever. So now we're getting more and more specific. How many descendants of David are going to be king, are going to be the ruler? That really dwindles this list down, does it not? But as we continue on into the Old Testament books of prophecy, uh, Isaiah, for instance, has a lot to say about the coming Messiah. Isaiah 53 talks about the suffering servant and speaks so clearly about the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. How could you miss the cross of Jesus when you consider Isaiah 53? But we're not going to go there because we're talking about his first coming. And Isaiah also speaks about that. Just for instance, Isaiah and chapter 7 And notice what it says there in verse 14. I love this verse of Scripture. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. In other words, Emmanuel meaning God with us. Now, this gets very, very specific because Isaiah tells us, a virgin shall conceive. This tells us how the Messiah is going to be born. He's going to be born of a virgin. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. In other words, God with us. Notice what it says in Isaiah uh, chapter number 9, verse 2. The people that walk in darkness have seen a great light, They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them has the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil, for thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, and in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, 
the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David. I'm saying that so slow because we have just talked about that out of Second Samuel chapter 7. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isaiah here between chapter 7 and chapter 9, is reiterating Old Testament history as he's prophesying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit what is going to unfold as a virgin conceives and bears a son. And he reiterates the truth that this son is going to sit upon the throne of David forever and forever and forever. He is this one who is born of the seed of the woman, through Abraham, through the tribe of Judah, through the dynasty of King David, born of a virgin. And friends, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Answers from Antioch. We are brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. I invite you to connect with us on our website at antiochbristol.com. And I'm Josh Davis filling in for Pastor Brad Davis. We are talking about the specific messianic prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his first coming. We're entering into this beautiful and wonderful Christmas season when we celebrate his first coming. And I thought it was so very appropriate for us to consider who Jesus is and the prophecies that he has fulfilled to prove that he is God in the flesh. Well, other prophecies in the Old Testament bear out these wonderful truths as well. I'm going to go to the minor prophets. And by the way, there's many other places that we could go. Uh, Someone has estimated that just by being born, Jesus fulfilled about 100 Old Testament prophecies. And this one I find very fascinating as I'm going to turn now into the book of Micah. In chapter 5 and verse 2, this one is quoted so often this time of year, and it's definitely worth memorizing, especially if you're trying to defend this or if you're trying to give some facts about this. This is a verse you want to circle in your Bible. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. In other words, this verse is telling us specifically where the Messiah would be born. Now, let's fast forward into the New Testament to gain some perspective on this verse. Do you remember in the Gospel of Matthew when the Magi, uh, often referred to as the wise men, come in to see King Herod. They're there in Jerusalem. They saw the star in the east, and they come, and evidently the star has disappeared because they didn't know exactly where to go. They didn't know to go to Bethlehem, uh, Ephrata, and so they went to Jerusalem, the most likely places to find out some things. So they go to King Herod, and they begin to inquire of him, uh, where is the Messiah going to be born? We've saw his star in the east. We've come to worship him. And Herod is totally taken aback at this. He calls in the religious leaders, 
and asks them, what do the scriptures say? Where is the Messiah to be born? And they said, oh, that's an easy one. Micah 5.2, of course, they didn't have chapter and verse divisions back then, but I'm trying to use my hopefully sanctified imagination a little bit here. Oh, that's easy. Micah 5.2 tells us, Oh, but thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. The, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem Ephrata. You see, there was more than one Bethlehem at that time, and it was specific. Bethlehem of Judea, Bethlehem Ephrata, is this specific location, a small town out of the way. No one would expect the Messiah to be born there, but God had told through the prophet Micah hundreds of years before. And by the way, the reason I'm belaboring the point about these religious leaders is because at the time of Jesus, hundreds of years later, it was a well-accepted fact that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. They knew it. They taught it. They believed it. The Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem, Ephrata. Micah 5.2 tells us that. And so, King Herod sends the Magi, the wise men, down to Bethlehem, Ephrata, under the guise of, Oh, when you found him, come and bring me word, so that I can come and worship him too. Now, of course, if you know the book of Matthew, you understand King Herod had some ulterior motives at work, did he not? And so we see that the Magi come. They find the star again. It reappears. They go and they worship Jesus, bringing him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and bow down before him. And there he is, right where Scripture said the Messiah would be born. So thus far, we've shown you how that the Old Testament is progressively revealing these truths, that the Messiah would be born of a woman in Genesis 3.15. He would come through Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1 down through verse 4. That he would be of the tribe of Judah, as it says in Genesis 49, verse 10. And that through the destin, uh, dynasty excuse me, of King David, 2 Samuel 7, 12 and following, that he would be born of a virgin, Isaiah seven fourteen, And we also read Isaiah chapter 9. And then we see here, Micah 5, 2, be born in Bethlehem. And we get a very specific prophecy as to when all these things would take place. Uh, 483 years until he would die. And that would, if you do the math, it works out to 33 AD. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24 uh, tells us about that. So we know how and where and when the Messiah would be born. And as I said, there are some 100 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled just by being born. And so what's the point of sharing these prophecies? So what? Let's ask ourselves that question as we begin to wrap these things up. This is one of the ways that Jesus showed, demonstrated, can we even use the word proved, that he is God. He fulfilled these supernatural prediction given under the inspiration of God himself, the Holy Spirit, through the Old Testament authors hundreds of years before it ever transpired. And just imagine a, a dartboard with a bullseye in the middle. 
And Jesus hits the bullseye of biblical prophecy as no one else can do. Who else is born of a virgin in Bethlehem Ephrata at just the right time? No one else fulfills these prophecies other than Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the promised one. Dear friends, he is God and you can know him as God. You see, Christmas is not just about a warm, fuzzy feeling that we get when we see the tinsel and the holly and the lights and the trees and and the presents all wrapped up in beautiful ribbons and bows and wrapping paper. And, and we get to thinking about hot chocolate and apple cider and, and carolers and, and getting to go shopping and, and all these things of Christmas that give us the warm fuzzies. Oh, we, we get to see uh, this happen and that happen. And I love Christmas. And by the way, I'm not making fun of Christmas and, and all those things. I enjoy those things as part of the celebration. But that's not the central focus of Christmas. Jesus is the central focus. He is the reason why we celebrate this beautiful season that we're entering into. If it were not for Jesus, we would have no reason to celebrate at all. And so I don't want to miss my focus on Jesus in the midst of my Christmas celebrations. In other words, I want him to be the center of my Christmas and the center of my life and the center of every day of my life for that matter. And I hope that you desire the same thing. You can know him. He does love you. He wants you to know him who is the redeemer. He came for you. Did you know that? I hope you do know that. If you've never received his gift, what better time of year is there than this year when we're thinking about gifts gift-giving, gift-receiving. You can receive the greatest gift of all that was ever given. It was Jesus Christ. He came to this earth to live a sinless life, to die on a cross, not for his sins, but for my sins, for your sins, and the sins of the whole world, to purchase us, to redeem us out of our sins, to give us eternal life with him forever in that beautiful place called heaven, That is all about Jesus, and you can know him. Maybe you have questions about how to begin a relationship with Jesus. I urge you, reach out to us, and I'm going to tell you how you can do that in just a minute. But don't let it wait. Don't let it sit there. You know what's going to happen if you do? Something else is going to come up. You're going to get distracted. You're going to get busy, and you'll forget all about it until a week later, and that feeling will go away. So while you're thinking about it, do something about it. Get in touch with us. Get in touch with a good Christian that you know, maybe a pastor, maybe just somebody that knows their Bible, and you know that they're a born-again Christian, and they can show you and help you to understand how you can receive God's gift of salvation. And maybe you're already a believer. Let this encourage you that we're not believing in vain, and we don't serve a, a Savior who is just a hope and a chance and a wish, but no, it's based in rock-solid truth that is founded upon the foundations of God's very Word, His prophetic utterances. I praise God for these beautiful truths that we serve the Jesus who proved to be God by fulfilling these supernatural predictions written hundreds of years before His birth. 
You can connect with us on our website, AntiochBristol.com. There you can find past episodes of this program that are archived that you can listen to at your schedule, at your pace, or you can share it with somebody else who may like to listen. Also there you'll find our live stream services that you can watch and re-watch past services. All of our contact information is there as well, including our telephone number, 276-669-4030. We invite you to join us for any and all of our worship services at Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. Thank you for joining us today. We encourage you to visit our website at antiochbristol.com. There you will find many ways to contact us and connect with us and so much more. Until next time, stand firm in Jesus' truth.